Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome into episode number 51 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host Jesse Town, and we're the Babes on Broad, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You got the whole social media breakdown, Babes on Broad on everything. You'll find our personals on there. Now let's get into the same old, same old. The only difference is there's one more added to the loss column, the three, seven, and one Eagles after their 23 to 17 loss to Seattle this weekend. Not as bad as some people were expecting, but I think the most frustrating part is watching it. You still saw all those errors. So before we even get into that, let's go over the positive real quick, Jess. So the defense did well, especially in the beginning. They did very well. Yeah, the the front of the defense did really well. They got a lot of pressure yeah. off the and made them uncomfortable. And in uh, the beginning, even Slay was doing well, I I would say. And then you just had, I mean, the Eagles will get into it, but they had five straight drives that were three and outs. You can't have your defense on. Be positive. I know, I know. Okay, so defensive front overall, not great, but good. And then um, no major injuries. Yes, love that. And then Jordan Mailata at left tackle had his best performance that he's ever had there. His grade was an 83.2, which is PR for him. And then it was also the second best rating in the league for tackles for yeah. week 12. So that's awesome. Good yeah. for him. Plus, you know, two months, but hey, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Right. And with that, we can get into the negative. Into the negative. <laughs> so let's, I mean, let's start with the defense then. Let's just go right. Okay. We kept, we talk, your key every week on the defensive side is, you know, Fletcher Cox needs to step up. This defensive line needs to step up. They did. They played a really good game uh, on Sunday. That defensive line had some new life in it. Even Derek Barnett was, you know, actually involved in a lot of things. They had a couple really big stops on fourth down. Um, I mean, they, the Eagles offense should have taken that personally in the fact that they didn't care how many times they went for it on fourth down because they didn't need the points. Honestly, they, they could score when they wanted to. And that was kind of that. I mean, obviously, but the downfall there was, uh, unfortunately, Darius Slay. Darius Slay had a bad game. Yeah, a very bad game. I mean, DK Metcalf, they did what we said they should do and the fact that they had Slay covering Metcalf. But you added on that they need to have McLeod drop back to cover just in case, which would have helped a lot for some reason they didn't do it. Who knows what happened there? There were were a couple points where Darius Slay was right there and Rodney McLeod came in to finish off the tackle. And I was like, see, I should be the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. I also would not have gone and, you know, gassed up, disrespect, whatever the heck you 
whatever happened with Jim Schwartz. I truly don't think he meant it in a bad way, but why even risk that? Like, why say anything to him? I don't, yeah. Like, regardless of what your intention was or how he took it, this shouldn't have even been a thing until post-game. And, I mean, you, you put yourself at a disadvantage immediately, regardless of how you meant it. Well, because either way, he did say, you're getting there. So, obviously, he's going to be like, I'll show you that I am there. We talked about in our pregame show how I told you I didn't want to hear, I don't want to see or hear any comparisons about Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager because I firmly believe that Justin Jefferson wouldn't have been utilized in the right way anyway, so it really wouldn't matter. Now, I do have some bones to pick with Jalen Rager after Monday night's game. However, the one that I will be bitter about until the end of time is DK Metcalf. 32 teams passed on him, including the Seattle Seahawks, at least once. That's all well and good. Not many teams needed a wide receiver as badly as the Eagles did in this in that draft. Not many teams needed to take a receiver, especially in that second round. It was right there. It was prime. So not only does he take does DK take it personally that every team passed over him at least once, he takes it extra personally that the Eagles passed on him. Yeah. Really good interviews with the Eagles. He met with them a bunch of times. He thought he was coming to Philadelphia. And they took J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, of all people, over him. So not only does he, you know, have a chip on his shoulder playing every Sunday or Monday, whatever, (laughs) he has a little bit of that extra motivation when he plays the Philadelphia Eagles. And it shows. He had a high 177 yards on Monday. That's outrageous. And 100 of those yards in the first 19 minutes of the game. It's unbelievable. I mean, that he toasted us. That touchdown to him, there were a couple balls in there that Darius Slay quite literally could not have played any better than he I, did. I agree. I agree. And that's, that's my thing with Slay is I feel so bad because, yes, like numbers-wise, he did have a bad game. And, like, even watching-wise because it was just frustrating because you literally just can't stop DK. I don't think that's personally on slay and I mean I know he takes it personally and he wants to be the best in league and to be the best in league you have to stop guys like that but the size difference I mean he has DK has four inches and 40 pounds on Darius slay and and excuse and me has the same speed let's let's recap what did we what have we said multiple times you can teach a guy to run better routes mm-hmm. and figure out how to catch a better ball you cannot teach big as hell you cannot teach size (laughs) you cannot teach muscle mass you cannot teach that so as much exactly what you said as much as Darius Slay is one of the best cover corners in the NFL DK Metcalf has four inches and 40 pounds on him that's what you can't teach and just to go along just so people can get the reference size of this so we said DK had 10 receptions for 177 yards all of the Eagles wide receivers combined had nine receptions for 46 yards. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Howie. That's not including the uh, four drops and the uh, one poor effort by Jalen Rager in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. Just saying. And yeah, so going along with, so that was kind of a good transition saying that part though. Play calling. Let's talk about that. Going along with these receivers that only had nine receptions for 46 yards. I did 
I just called out Howie, which Howie's my ultimate reason for that. But where was Travis Fulgham? That's obviously on play calling and Doug to not even have him until the third quarter. This is what, the third game in a row now that he's – No targets until the third quarter. Lowest number of snaps he's played this season in favor of keeping Alshon Jeffrey on the field with negative amounts of production. I mean, let's you, – you start from the beginning. They get on the field. They get the, the Seattle Seahawks defense to jump off sides. Great. First and five. What do you do? You throw the ball three times? Two drops? I don't understand. First and five. Go. Right down the field. Just – it's there. It, you started it off so well. Just go. I can't figure that out. Then they come in and they try to run the ball three times, and you're like, hey, let balance all at the same time. Yeah. Miles Sanders only got six touches, six rushing attempts, then dropped the ball twice, which, by the way, uh, leads all running backs in the NFL in drops. Um, the Eagles as a whole lead the NFL in drops. So not a balanced attack there. Carson Wentz was your leading rusher with 42 yards. And you said it. They started the game with five three and outs. They don't help each other. I mean, that's one thing we specifically highlighted in the pregame show, but then also we've been kind of hitting on it all year. Not only do we need balance between the offense and the defense, which we have not seen because one plays good, the other doesn't, or they're just both bad, or the balance on the offense. Like we have no balance ever on anything. And it's just, it all goes back to play calling on that aspect. And to make it even more embarrassing, yes, they had five straight three and outs. There's only one other team to do that so far this year. And it was the Eagles when they played the Ravens had six straight three and outs to start the game. So like, absolutely awesome. It's just, oh my gosh. And I understand you want to be a pass heavy, it cleared up and they have a bad um, pass defense. So I understand going pass heavy on that. But when it wasn't working out, obviously your wide receivers aren't working. You had five three and outs. Like, why not run more? I don't understand that. Nothing about – I've said this every week, and I'm just going to say it one more time. I know. Exactly. It's, nothing about their offense is creative. Their formations aren't creative. They're, nothing. Nothing they give at the, at the line is confusing in any way. It's very apparent what they're going to do every time they snap the ball. Their route combos are horrendous um, for a bunch of receivers that can't get an inch of separation at all, ever. No pre-snap motion. Anything they do is just it's, – it's garbage. It's complete yeah. – that entire playbook needs to be thrown away because it's terrible. They're not rolling Carson Wentz out of the pocket. There was one – Again. Play, again, for the – 12th straight week and they didn't even play all 12 weeks they had a buy in there and 12 <laughs> straight weeks they can't roll Carson Wentz out of the pocket but when he's out there escaping he's making plays I can't figure out what what they're doing honest to god you know there's a lot of talk right now that it basically just seems like Doug Peterson almost wants to get fired and that shows it, me it that does kind of this is a Howie Roseman issue Howie 100% go and that's where this issue lies because Doug's hands are tied in terms of what he can and cannot do what Howie's dictating and the players he's been given he's at this point probably just like screw it and not trying to put any of his good stuff out there because I'll tell you what there are a lot of places that Doug Peterson will be their number one head call mm -hmm. job here the Houston Texans are going to call him and give him all the power. The Detroit Lions should call him and give him some time to work up there. You know who else is going to call him? The Chicago Bears after Matt Nagy gets fired this season. 
Well, and to go along with that point, you're exactly right. I mean, even on Get Up this morning, they were talking about how it's almost obviously nobody knows for sure, but it looks pretty clear that it's not Doug trying to put Jalen Hurts into these plays. It's coming from the top down. And I think to go along with your point, that kind of makes it perfect. He's not even trying to be creative or do anything with Jalen Hurts because he's, he doesn't want him in there. He's getting it from the top down and he's like, okay, I'll throw him in and do the same play and make you happy, whatever. But it's just so frustrating. And that's my example right there goes to exactly what you were saying. Yeah. I think that's something that, you know, we all have seen coming since April. Somebody, you know, there's no way this was a happy pick all the way around and everyone was satisfied with what was going on. There was no way. No way. This whole organization was just going to be hunky-dory with what was going on. And, you know, we talked about then. It puts extra pressure on Carson that doesn't need to be there. This offense now is not catered to their – I mean – Forget Carson Wentz for a second. The offense and the game plan is not catered to the strength of any of their players. Where, where is the utilization of the speed of Jalen Rager? Not seeing that at all. 50-50 jump balls to Alshon Jeffrey. We know he doesn't jump anymore and doesn't try, but they're not even there anymore. I, I can't really figure out what they've got going on. Not rolling Carson Wentz out. They're not using Miles Sanders in you know a, a way that's going to be successful for him I just there's nothing about this offense that is catered to their players and you know and on top of that they continue to shoot themselves in the foot so not only is Doug shooting all of them in the foot horrible penalties they had nine penalties and I think six or seven of them I think six of them were on the offense I mean drops again if you're an NFL skill player and a ball hits you in the hands come down with it that's your job. I'm tired. I can't do it. Like four drops, two from Miles Sanders, 29 drops. It leads the league. Like it's not even done the season yet. And not to mention you and I talked about this a lot on Monday while the game was going on three miscommunications on offense. How does that happen? Three times. Like, cause, cause you you tweeted it and it was perfect. And you texted me the same thing. You were like, did Dallas that Goddard? And we talked about it with Boston Scott too, which which was hilarious, by the way. I don't know if you saw my tweet from the Babes account where I said, oh, well, maybe if Jordan Mailata had been playing left tackle for the last <laughs> month and improving, he would have seen that blitz coming from that side, from that safety blitz coming. And everyone is retweeting, agreeing, oh, yeah, you're right, Jordan Mailata. And then Lewis Riddick goes, well, it looks like Boston Scott, you know, there was supposed to be a screenplay and Boston was in the wrong spot. And then, you know, the – Twitter police had to come out and be like, no, it was a blown up screen. I'm like, mm, I watched the broadcast too. I saw the same thing. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it was explained to me then too. <laughs> right. Um, I forgot who it actually was in the wrong spot though. It, it wasn't Boston. There was someone else that was actually in the wrong spot. Maybe if there weren't so many internal issues and if you weren't so gosh darn worried about incorporating a second quarterback into an offense that doesn't need it, we wouldn't have this problem. I agree. And then lastly, the point to talk about was Wentz. Obviously, he wasn't great, but it's just so hard for me. I don't want to look like I'm apologizing for him, but it's just so hard. I mean, he is, obviously, he's not perfect. He hasn't had the accuracy all season. He isn't playing well. It's no secret. Um, Actually, I did see one thing. I think it was on GetUp. I don't know if it was on GetUp or somebody tweeted it or whatever, but it was a matchup. And the reason that the Seattle defense is so bad is because they – miss line up like they cannot line up correctly and there was one play where Rager had literally nobody on him and he still 
did not see it and is brutal for that fact. So like he's not playing well. Oh, but I just come down to not trusting not trusting his eyes anymore. He's not trusting yeah. what he's seeing and he's not trusting his receivers. And not he's is he missing guys that are wide open? Hundred fifty percent. Like mm-hmm. Carson's as much of a problem as anybody else, but he's not the only problem. And part oh, of no. it's not trusting it because why would you? Well, yeah, and so to go along with that, he is a problem, but not the only problem because he's first in the NFL or first NFL QB in 36 years with at least as many interceptions and sacks in the first 11 games. So it's 15 interceptions on the year, and that's 46 sacks so far. So he's the first in 36 years to have that. There's only been one other guy to have it, Paul McDonald. That's from John Clark. But then also, so he's got the most interceptions on the year. He's got the most sacks on the year with 46. He's got the most quarterback hits on the year with 111. And then he also has the offense with the most drops with 29. I mean, and it's terrible. And and people want, you know, my favorite is, well, that's because he holds the ball too long. In case you were wondering, genius, <laughs> the timer keeps going when you're running for your life because <laughs> your 10th version of a sorry offensive line can't block anything. It's so sad. It's terrible. With that, Sam, what are your three really quick, just rattle yeah. through them? Three reasons for the loss this week. Howie Roseman, because this team's roster is just not performing and they are just not good. And Howie Roseman, he looks defeated. I mean, he didn't even go to the Cleveland game last year. Or no, that was Jeffrey Lurie. But so he looks defeated. If you're pissing off the boss that much, get rid of him. So Howie. Howie and Jeffrey are like like peas and carrots out here. No, you can't be. So So were Matt Klintak and what's his name? Yeah, and he let him step down and go to another spot in the organization. At this point, I am so fine with that. Howie Roseman can just do contracts and write out the contracts for everybody. Awesome, Howie. But so, number one, Howie, get rid of him. I hate you. Leave. Number two, play calling, which essentially is Doug. I mean, it's ridiculous. Six touches to Miles Sanders. Travis Fulgham not even coming in until the third quarter for Alshon Jeffrey. Um, challenging the stupid – I know you don't think it was stupid, but challenging that stupid catch on DK Metcalf that was clearly a catch to just throw away your second timeout in the third quarter. Nothing. That timeout ended up meaning nothing. Else. You're right. But I just think that's just stupid, and it shows that it's play calling. Like, what's he thinking? And then also to keep Carson in the pocket. Like, everything he's doing is just boring, frustrating, and not creative. So Doug's my number two. My number three is like a mix-up of things. So I wrote down Wentz, the O-line, the receivers, Slay, because they all had bad moments in this game. And then some brighter aspects, not really Slay. But so they all played a big part in this loss to me. But overall, they're professionals. So they need to play up to their ability. And then they have to try to save this shit for the fans at least. Yeah. What about you? My number one is is Howie Roseman. I'm I'm so done. I'm so over him. I'm so, I put him on the, where the Phillies bullpen needs to go and fire them straight into mm-hmm. the sun. Play calling and game plan. By the way, these are the same as they were last week, in case you were wondering. Um, I thought so. They, third downs. they can't figure out the right plays to call. I don't know if that's Doug just being like, eh, I'm done. Bye. I'm not going to put all my good stuff out here. And you know what? If that's what he's doing, more power to him, honestly. But and then you know my my th- number three is is Carson Wentz. I mean he was he was really bad. But you know you, you, to your point, there were bright spots when they scored. It yeah. I mean, he's he took him down the field, comes back and and gets him down the field. But that's my that's my biggest point with him. It's he's a problem. He's not the problem. Yeah. But what we talked about last week is 
you know, if, if you have all these issues going on, your quarterback playing well masks all of it. But now they're exposed because he's not playing well. So if he's driving them down the field consistently like that, we're not having all these other discussions. But honestly, it might be a blessing in disguise because something needs to give. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll answer some questions that we got this week. You're listening to the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Welcome back into episode number 51 of Babes on Broad. So we took you through the chaos, the misery of the Monday night football game against Seattle. Now we have some questions. All right. So at Roberto2525 asks, first and five, Doug calls three state pa- straight passes, excuse me. Down 20 to eight with fourth and two, we go for it instead of taking points. Is he trying to get fired? Honestly, I think he's just really like, screw it. I think he's totally done with the the hierarchy of this organization and what he's stuck with and where his hands are tied, honestly. I think um, it's extremely frustrating because it ended up that that could have meant something to field goal by the end of the game. But they made a great point on the pod – or not the podcast, the broadcast saying that it just shows the lack of confidence he has in this offense right now. He, I don't think he truly thought they could get back down in the field or to the end zone. With seven minutes left in the game. So, yeah, I just think it's a lack of confidence. It sucks. Lack of, I mean, it's a lack of confidence. It's, it's not only that. It's also like a lack of confidence in Jake Elliott, too. That's part of yeah, it. Yeah, true that. Very true. An extra point on, on Monday. You know, like, he hit ball, but, like, missed an extra point. And he got a five-year, $20 million extension last offseason. I'm so happy that was the priority. Like, yeah. I like Jake Elliott as much as the next person, you know. He, he was a, a – they hit a 61 – he's a 61-yard field goal, and they go on an absolute tear and win the Super Bowl. Like, you know, there's something – he had a great year that yeah. year. Five years, 20 mil, that was what – that was your biggest priority and all the things that you needed? Like, seriously? Come on. At Mr. Pasquale 22 says, why does Howie get to pick and choose who plays on game day? Who knows? I want to know that one. Someone to tell me why. It's ridiculous. Because that's the dumbest thing ever. Howie is such a nerd, dude. Like, he – obviously, he knows contracts, but, like – Keep him for that. He's a salary cap whiz, but drafting and – Yeah, but that's – like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, why – what football – actual football game knowledge does he have no. to be able to say who should play? That's ridiculous to me. It's bad. Andrew Russo asks, why do the Eagles seem so hell-bent on not doing the the things that they're good at, i.e., running the ball consistently and getting Carson Wentz out of the pocket. That's a mystery because we've been asking that all season. That is the million dollar question. I have no idea. I, I wish I knew. I don't. I wish. I absolutely Somebody don't. please tell me why we aren't getting Carson out of the pocket and letting him play to his strengths. Please. Here's why. Because we are not the offensive and defensive coordinators by committee. That's why. Through that. At Cali Dream asks, who will win the NFC East factoring in everybody's schedule? Um, well, I'm, I, I think I looked at it the other day. Everybody in the NFC doesn't have an easy ride, considering how bad we are as a whole. I don't know. Right now, I think the Giants kind of have it. Yeah. Dallas' schedule is technically the easiest, but they're also technically the worst. They're the worst. Yeah, they're bad. I, yeah, I would, I, I, if I had to guess, I would say Giants. Just because the Eagles, I mean, even though I would appreciate them coming back and getting it, there's no way. They have Green Bay this short week, and then what do they have? The Saints, and then they have the Cardinals. Like, come on. What time to be alive? Yeah. 
I, I we play a, a bunch. Of, well, yeah. So the Giants don't have an easy schedule. What is the Washington football team? Schedule? Yeah, it's a toss up between them. But I feel like I remember looking and thinking the Giants were had a better shot. Washington football team now has had their game moved because they're supposed to play the Steelers. So that one's adjusted a little bit. They play the Steelers on Monday at 5 p.m. Yeah. And then they play the 49ers, who actually are just coming off a win over the Rams. But, you know, they're still not – they're yeah. still not great. Then they play Seattle. But then they play the Panthers and then the Eagles. Us. So but, there's potentially three wins for them. Right. But the Giants, I mean, they play Seattle this week. Then they play the Cardinals. Then they play the Browns. Then they play the Ravens. And then oh, wow. So maybe it is Washington. So it's, it's going to be Washington or – the Giants, if if the Eagles don't surprise us all, which you know, whatever, I'm losing faith in. I Giants are the the Washington football team. If I had to pick one, I would prefer I would prefer the Washington football team. We're gonna be completely honest. I agree too. My main reason, well, obviously Alex Smith, but then also um, Ron yeah. Rivera. That's a cool story. Yeah, I love that. For them, I would I'd totally be on board for that. I mean, if it can't be. I agree. Um, at Connor Eagles asks, who needs to go first, Howie, Doug, or Jim? Howie. Howie. No question, no hesitation, Howie. Bye. Howie. And then Jim, I don't care about him either, but. Yeah, I, I still, I, I don't know if you saw Rob Motti's tweet with the screenshot of the Zoom, but he screenshotted the Zoom with, for Doug's presser, and it was Doug Peterson, and in the background you could see the Lombardi trophy, and Rob Motti tweeted something to the effect of, this is on a Zoom with Doug Peterson, and that's the Lombardi trophy. You know, because he's the only coach that's won one. And he has a point. He, no, he does have a point. I, and, and I, think, I think Doug and Carson deserve another year with a real offensive coordinator and a real quarterback coach. Yeah. I Get also Taylor out of here. absolutely no reason that – like, think about it, right? So they're both of their rookie – Doug's rookie year as a head coach – Carson's rookie year, they had some good things, and they knew what they needed to work on. The next year, Carson Wentz is an MVP candidate, and Doug Peterson is easily a coach of the year candidate as well. I think he should have won. That's where they go. They win a Super Bowl, right? The next year, they're plagued by injuries once more. They go back to the playoffs, and they win a playoff game, and they're one, you know, Alshon Jeffrey drop away from maybe going back to the Super Bowl. Then the next year, injuries again. They look dead in the water. They come back out there, and they get to the playoffs again. So one bad year does not is not deserving of your Super Bowl-winning head coach, the only one in franchise history getting ousted because your GM is incompetent, doesn't know how to put together a roster, and makes too many damn game-day decisions. I agree, and I think part of their attitudes and their poor play, whatever – is one because they don't have the right pieces, like we say, but two, like maybe they're just fed up with Howie, man. Like, I don't think that's far off at all. No, I totally agree. So, and you know, a follow up question to that from him is what's the first move you make to fix this team? Fire Howie. Hi, Howie. Yeah, fire Howie. Getting a competent GM. Um, Captain Two Cents asks, why sit Jalen Hurts after a completed pass? Why play Jalen Hurts at all? It's stupid. I agree. So that's my main point. But I think the reason that they do it is it literally shows that Doug does not want to play him and he's being forced to. So he's not going to play him any more than he already has to. He's just putting him in to make somebody happy. I hate it here. Me too. At Ryan with 
four R's, 15 says, will Doug give up play calling? His he did come out and say that he's willing to, but that's if they're like absolutely desperate and he doesn't think they are or something like that. I think his willingness to, I think it, I, I think it, it says a lot about where the organization is and what is going on because giving up play calling, if he can choose who he's giving it to instead yeah. of the GM choosing who he's giving it to, I think Doug just has to trust who he's giving it to. And right now there's no one there that he trusts more than himself. No, I agree. And that's, I think the biggest thing about it, who's going to take over. You know what I mean? Me. Maybe Deuce. Uh, if I think if he was going to give it to anybody, he would he would give it to Deuce. Yeah. Like there's no offensive coordinator. Like who do you give it to? That's you there's can't. People in there for absolutely no reason. Exactly. I think another thing to you know really consider is I don't know if I've I've never heard a bad word about Doug Peterson. I have heard many former players, Tory Smith. Chris Long, a lot of other players, and players that he worked with in Kansas City as well, have nothing but good things to say about yeah. Doug Peterson and how he's a wonderful football coach, an excellent leader of men. You also still, regardless of what we're saying about Doug and how terrible he's been, there's no, he's lost the locker room, no one's buying in to what Doug Peterson is selling. Like, there's none of that going on. No one's jumping up left and right to try to defend Howie and the decisions Howie's made and making. So no. I firmly believe that the problem is rooted in Howie Roseman and getting rid of Howie would change a lot. Getting rid of Doug changes absolutely nothing. Nothing. You have a pissed off Doug Peterson succeeding somewhere else. Agreed. And be so you're going to be sorry is really I what agree. And the last question, Hustle Westbrook asks, Will the offensive line ever get their stuff together? Um, I it's just shame, man, because I just of the offensive line. Which of the ten yeah. would you like? Well, that's the thing is like so they have pieces that can hold up, but that's the situation. Like I do think we have something in my lotta for the future, but the rest of them really are just pieces that like you hope they hold up for the season. But other than that, there's just so many injuries, man. Like you can't injuries and age. You can't like. Dude, I'm not expecting it for this season. No, it's brutal. And and they wanted to talk so much about getting younger and not yes. not having loyalty to some of the older players because they wanted to get younger. What? You lie. Meanwhile, you want to get younger, so you draft like a 25 year old guy that's not even playing yet. Like what? Dill, I think that's an exaggeration. He's not 25. I don't think Dillard, but. He is older. He's older because he went through four years. I looked it up, and he might actually be younger than Jordan Mailata, or older than Jordan Mailata, which threw me off. Andre Dillard is, in fact, 25 years old. Jordan Mailata is 23. Jordan Mailata is 23 and never played football before. And he's killing it. Go, Mailata. And then is my winner of the season. My star of the season through week 12 is Jordan Mailata. I love it. No one else comes close. Not one. I love it. Are you prepared to be storming the field when they put Dillard to start next season? LOL. Oh, well. uh, I, I will run <laughs> outside of the Novacare. Such an Eagles thing. I will, I will riot outside of Novacare. Let's hope they don't have the loyalty to Dillard that they do to JP, and we'll be fine. Hey, let's hope we have a different GM that knows what that. 
dead. True that. But I'm going to go with. But uh, <laughs> on that note, I'm surprised because people are just out of things to say and out of things to ask. So I was actually surprised at how many questions we got that were yeah. said on an episode, which is, you know, great. <laughs> Thank you for listening as always to episode 51 of Babes on Broad. Um, be sure to keep an eye out for information on when we're doing our pregame show this week because we haven't had a four o'clock game yet. So we have to figure out what time. You have to figure that out. What is, what's best for us to do. But as always, thank you to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure to follow all of our social medias at Babes on Broad. Subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and then follow all of our personals as well. Make sure to check out all the rest of Bleeding Green Nation's podcasts that come out this week as well. We talked about it in our pregame show earlier this week, but make sure you're also checking out our fundraiser for Phil Abundance to help provide meals this holiday season, especially. You can get a fun little bobblehead shirt or sweatshirt or all kinds of different things of me and Sam. So make sure to check that out. And also, if you would like to donate an extra clothing item as well, send us an email, babesonbroad at gmail.com, and we will get that all worked out. But until we talk to you again, we are the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Babes on Broad. BGN.